0: Hey, welcome back to the Aerospace Executive Podcast. Uh, I am thrilled once again to have uh, my really good friend, Bill Alderman, with me. Bill is the uh, the president of Alderman & Company. He is an investment banker based up in uh, Connecticut. Uh, he works middle market on the, uh, the sell side of uh, aviation and aerospace and defense only. And uh, Bill's not just an awesome guy, but he's a, a great pilot. And I'm thrilled to have you back, Bill what's happening I,
1: i'm not sure i'm a great pilot i just had my ipc and i yeah. passed i passed but uh my my uh, my instructor did not say i was perfect he said i did have some stuff to work on so i'm a good pilot greg i'm not a great pilot. no you're a great pilot you're no, all always, good I, always, I'm gel- I'm, you know they I'm, say a great pilots always learning there you go there you
0: go it's uh you're not a bold pilot right so uh
1: Th- there are it. no old bold pilots. Craig.
0: There are no old bold pilots. Ah, uh, exactly. So uh, all Always good. Learning. Always learning. So, um, hey, so what? Uh, let's talk about SVB Bank, Signature mm-hmm. Bank, rising yes, interest rates, the Fed, and yep. how how all this stuff is. Uh, if it is, how it's yep. affecting the uh, the M and A market in A uh, and
1: D. By the way, really, it is great to see you. It's always great to see you, Craig. A lot of respect. Um, so, great question. And and I'm not going to uh, try and sit here and tell people that I know a lot about SVB and what's going on in the credit markets because it, it's not my expertise. And there are a lot of a lot uh, of people out there that are a lot smarter than me that know a lot more about what's going on and what's next. But what I can share with you um, firsthand knowledge, like you know, really, we know this stuff. The credit market's impact is on MA and the middle market of AD. And, and I feel very comfortable sharing with you and the other listeners what we're hearing and seeing. Right. And that is firsthand. That's not, that's not secondhand. That's firsthand. Now it's anecdotal. Mm-hmm. And you know, we will do maybe five deals this year, maybe three, depends on the markets. Okay. Uh, we have four deals uh, in process right now. Mm-hmm. We just closed one last month. So you know we're a small shop that does a, a little bit of activity um but i can i can clearly and want to share with you what we're hearing okay and it's pretty it's pretty interesting right and again it's anecdotal right it's a, it's a set of of six maybe mm-hmm. and you know uh, and and has to be 30 for the data to even be reliable and it doesn't really get good until you're in the hundreds or thousands right but, but here's about six points of data really starting last year it was long before the ssbb um banking problem hit this hit the market it really was the the steep rise in rates caused us to have some problems with deals we had a deal actually that got hung up um mm-hmm. and took a while to get closed um got it closed um but the issues with interest rates and it, that impact on the credit market made it so that financial buyers, We're having trouble getting deals closed, right? They had agreed to a seven and a half multiple, Mm -hmm. assuming a four turn on debt, and the credit markets got squirrely. The cost of capital went up, cost of debt went up, and Mm -hmm. that the model didn't work. The bank wouldn't approve, and the four turn turned into a 3.6 turn. And then they would come back to us and say, Well, we need your client to give. And fortunately, in that case, we, we, we weren't forced to do so, and, and we pushed back on them, and they were able to put in more equity. It's starting really in, in late last year, the financial buyers were coming back to us and saying, we're putting downward pressure on price because our money costs more. Mm-hmm. can't get as much per deal. Now, let's go to your direct question, Craig, which is about the, the, the collapse of a couple of banks, takeover by the FDIC, run on the banks, whatever you want to call it, credit scare. We call it credit scare. Mm-hmm. Um, what has that done? Well, it made things. It exacerbated what was already started, and not that, not that I really understand what happened, but my understanding mm-hmm. of these few banks that that had trouble it was not that they had assets that were becoming worthless, like we saw with derivatives in two thousand eight with the collateralized mortgage nonsense, right? But that these bonds, federal government bonds, right? It's hard to be more. Secure than a US federal bond, Mm -hmm. right? But the bonds had lost a little bit of value, right? Okay. And so, my understanding is that what happened here was not like a Lehman Brothers where, you know, huge amounts of wealth were just evaporated, right? Maybe never existed, but that a small amount of wealth had been destroyed by the rise in rates. And that spooked people to cause a run on the banks. Yeah. That's my understanding, but I'm not sure I'm right, but that's my understanding. Regardless of that, we saw in our deals was people saying, "Hey, the banks are not lending as loosely as they were. The cost of capital to us is more difficult. We want a lower price for the deal we had just agreed." And mm-hmm. so anecdotally, what we saw was more of the same. And by the way, most buyers that we deal with are professional, ethical, large institutions, right? Right they don't really play nonsense games. But if you give them a window to lower the price, they're not stupid folks, and they're going to lower the price if you give them sort of a decent reason, right? These are professionals. They're not going to say, oh, the wind is blowing from the east. I'm lowering the price. right? But they will say, we found a problem with your inventory. Here's the legitimate problem with your inventory accounting. We need to lower the price, right? That's just standard fare. And so what we were hearing was sort of the typical oh, we got to lower the price. Let us give you justification and see how it sticks. Mm -hmm. And last year it was, oh, the justification is our cost of capital went up. We didn't know that was going to happen. We got to take that out of your client. Mm -hmm. Then it became, oh, SVB collapsed. The credit markets are falling. We really need to lower the price for some reason related to banking. At first, we actually were thinking this is really legit. This is real, you know, credit market. Oh my goodness gracious, 2008, we got a problem. And the past two weeks, I got to tell you, Craig, when we push back, for the most part, the buyers, and this is really only financial buyers, have said, yeah, you're right. We still have access to money, but it's expensive and we'd like to lower the price. Yeah.
0: So yeah, you know, it's like everything you know, like CNBC. You know the drama. Yeah, you know, CNBC needs to put some drama out there, and it's you know, signature bank, SVB bank, the sky is falling, credit markets are going to tighten because you know lower banks are going to have a hard time getting deposits, etc.
1: Well, Craig, I mean hey, the media has to
0: sell advertising. Uh, uh, right, right, right.
1: So the, so the question
0: becomes: This is the question I'm asking you: Is it really as bad? And my 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 sense has always been no. Is it as bad as anybody? as the media really wants to make it seem? And and my answer is no. I mean, I look at you know small mid market banks and they're humming along just fine. And look, yeah. Do I
1: think do I think the rise rapid rapid rise in interest rates is going to slow the economy down? Yes, I do. And M and A is part of our economic activity, right? Um, yeah, as you know, Craig, but some in your audience may not know, a lot of our activity is the retirement of founder owners of companies. Right. Right. Not every deal we do, but I would say now, right now, about 75% of our deals, there is a either an individual or a group of individuals that own a business that want to retire, and we are selling their business so they can retire. This is a I'm now 67 years old. COVID is over. The market is decent. I want to move to Florida. I got to sell my company. Right. Right. And so in that, in that world, you know, you ask yourself what's motivating and what's driving folks. And back to your question um, about, about how hype feeds into this. And I'm not knocking the media, right? Because there's stories to tell and they want to sell advertising, but putting, juxtaposing the economy is slowing, right? And M&A activity is slowing. That, that actually is what the Fed's trying to do. This is not mm-hmm. like some unintended consequence, right? right? Now, we talked about a soft landing or recession. I don't care what you call it. If you want to stop inflation, you got to slow down the engine. I don't right. call it a recession, call it whatever you want. But the reason they're raising rates is so that people will say this stuff's more expensive. I'm going to do less. I mean, so M&A activity should slow down. That's what the Fed wants everything to slow down. So we'll stop inflation. So yes, this SVB collapse is interesting and it makes great news, but the fact that rates went up and bonds got less valuable. Okay. That makes sense. There was a run on a bank because people got silly. Okay. That makes sense. And the Fed's trying to slow the economy down. So M&A activity should slow down a little bit. Well, what, what, <laughs> what's so newsworthy here, right?
0: And that's the whole, I think that's the whole point of the podcast is that it's all about,
1: it's all about, all right, what's what's real and what's uh, what's fake news, right? And um, right. Now, look, a run yeah. on a bank is always scary, especially if it's your money. And sure. with new technology and, and Twitter and moving money on your phone, this was the fastest run on a bank in the history of like the world, right? Just because technology allows the bank to get run, you know, in the movie, it's a wonderful life. It took them a couple of days to physically go to the bank and run the bank. What did SVB take? Like it took, took like an hour or two yeah. and like massive deposits came out, but back to our clients, right. And, and back to what we're seeing. So yes, a little bit of spook. I think more of hype and excuse for trying to lower price than legitimate. And for our owners who want to retire and move to Florida, okay, a couple of deals we slowed down for a couple of months. We really mm-hmm. did, especially early in the year. You know, credit markets were actually getting much more expensive. Financial buyers were having trouble pricing the way they used to. Mm-hmm. So we just told our clients just hang out for two or three months and see what happens. Yep. And what is happening or appears to be happening is. The hype is going away. The financial buyers have gotten used to this cost of capital, which is still, by historic standards, cheap money. Mm-hmm. Everybody's so upset that mortgage rates are what? What are mortgage rates, like seven, seven right now? They're under seven. they are half, freaking out with half. mortgage at seven. Yeah. I mean, we came out of college, Craig. Mortgage were like 16%. Oh, I was
0: dancing. I was dancing in 2007 when I was able to get a 5.8% interest rate. On a thirty-year, on a thirty-year, and then a couple of years later, after the financial crisis, you know, I was able. To, you know, the, the Fed dropped everything. I was dancing for joy at three and a half. I'm like,
1: and, and on a fifteen-year deal, I'm like, well, wait a minute here, Greg. My, 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 when I came out of college, I think the prime rate was fifteen <laughs> percent.
0: so so a good friend of mine named Joe Goria. You're gonna love this, Joe Goria. You're gonna know from Connecticut. You're gonna remember this. He was the guy who used to get on TV It's like "When your bank says no." We say, yes, yes, I champion, I champion I mortgage. So Joe was a really good friend of mine he passed away a couple of years ago, but he was a really I'm good sorry. friend of mine. Everybody said he was an idiot because he started champion mortgage when interest rates were 16, when mortgage rates were 16 or 17%. Yeah, And he said, no, I'm not. I'm the smartest guy in the world because I'm going to refinance everybody down. And ultimately I think it comes into, you know, did everybody really think that, interest rates were going to stay at zero, that your cost of money was going to be at zero?
1: I think we're in a good place. And, and and I want to come back to A&D. Look, the financial buyers had pressure on them last year. Yeah, They got spooked, and they used the spook as an argument to try and lower price last quarter. I think they've lost that argument. I really do. Yep. And And what's interesting is that the strategic buyers are keeping the financial buyers in line. And here's what I mean. We have a deal right now, and I referenced this earlier, um, uh, and we're going to talk about uh, A and D specifically, because we're still generic at the moment. But okay. this is a deal in the in the defense industrial base, right? right? financial buyer. And uh, we had a price agreed, and they came back late last year, into early this year, and said, we're having trouble with our senior debt. We need a slug of Mez. And here's all the negative repercussions it has on our pricing. And we're going to have to lower our price of the deal meaningfully. And we pushed. And they finally uh, said, we can't go any further. And we actually killed the deal. I mean, our client did. It's not our decision, but with client's consent, we told the buyer, we're done. Okay. Yep. Went back to market and within three weeks had a strategic buyer at a higher price. Okay. okay. Yeah. Not massively higher, but you know, a little bit, 6% higher. Okay, it doesn't okay. matter, 6%. It wasn't great, but it was a little bit. Guess what the financial buyer did when we told them that we were going strategic with a slightly higher price? We'll match. We'll match. Okay? So the whole bravado, right, of we couldn't match that price, we mm-hmm. we need Mes financing on that deal, evaporated. And so my my my, my comment here is that there's legitimate, there was legitimate strain on the financial community to do deals in the fourth quarter. Rates were getting higher and higher, and they, they didn't price them in. In the first quarter, I think they were using SVB more as an excuse to lower price than anything else. Right. And the strategic buyers could care less about SVB. I mean, pick, pick your favorite company that you know in the space, a Heiko, a Transdime. Little, these companies are always making little acquisitions, right? They're very right. acquisitive. You think they care about SVB? No. I mean, they got tons of capital. They got access to tons of capital, great credit. Now we're going to talk about the A&D market. They're in a very attractive market. They're able to attract capital. And, and not that we're doing deals with those guys right now, because if we were, I couldn't be talking about them. But those kinds of guys, no concern whatsoever zero. right now about raising capital, zero. And so those guys are, and I'm speaking generically now, those kinds of buyers are keeping the financial buyers in this space honest because the financial buyers want to cry wolf oh can't get capital they can't buy companies so you big private equity guys you know who
0: they are they're unaffected i mean yeah they're costly yeah yeah they're they're i mean look they they borrow money it's all LBO they borrow money to do deals and a little here a little there hurts the deals but yeah you're right i mean it's the hikers, the trans times, they got billions of dollars sitting on the bank, sitting on the side. Right. The and,
1: and in 2008, that's not what happened. In 2008, the best yeah. of the best had trouble getting capital. Yeah, right. Liquidity was removed. For, we had a deal back then with a double A credit and they lost their ability to fund. Yeah. We literally had a deal that was a double A credit public company with a hundred plus million dollar line of credit and and their bank doesn't matter which one, said, we don't have the money to fulfill our obligation on your line of credit. Mm-hmm. Literally, right? We're yes. not there. We're not there. But let's talk about A&D, my friend, can we? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So the A&D market is in a Goldilocks little place. Interest rates are high. Financial buyers truly are unable to pay top dollar like they used to before. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that really is true. But they can still pay a good price. The strategic buyers are obviously able to take advantage of the market. What's going on in A and D is we are in a supply-demand spot that we really don't see very often. Yep. You know, the nice thing about A and D is they're usually uncorrelated. Right. Like, the reason I like having an A and D book is that when the A is up, the D is down. The D is up, the A is down. Right. right. And so you know you can argue that you know defense is really a political, geopolitical issue. Is there tension in the world? Who's the party party in power? That drives defense. Mm -hmm. And commercial is all about the economy. You know, are businesses paying for business travel and do leisure travelers want to fly? Right? So oftentimes, those are uncorrelated, which makes it sort of a nice place for us to be. Mm -hmm. Right now, they're correlated. Not not that they are moving with each other for any reason. Right. They're both up. I mean, Airbus today just announced they're going to ramp up production again. And they're already in massive production. And I'm not even sure their supply base can handle it. But it's sort of related because when supply exceeds demand, what happens to pricing? Right? Gee, well, let see if I remember what happens. So supply, yeah. supply doesn't equal demand. I think prices go up. Right. Last I checked, right? Yep. So the supply chain is making money. Mm-hmm. And it's growing. Okay? Now, it came off some tough years with COVID. But- I mean, if you look at comparables of like 21 and 2, to, or 22 to 21, and forecasted 23 to 21, and you look at last quarter versus two two years ago, Mm -hmm. I mean, we're up triple digit, Craig, right? Mm -hmm. Which obviously is unfair because of COVID. So the commercial aviation marketplace is, is a very attractive place to invest. Mm-hmm. And the defense market. I mean, the defense budget is the highest it's ever been. You can argue with inflation, maybe not nominal dollars. The defense budget is as big as it's ever been. Yep. You know, we just had this a very important meeting of both parties. I mean, Kevin, Marthy, Ke- Kevin uh, McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy. The front. but the, you know, he he really did have bipartisan support at the Reagan Library to meet with the head of Taiwan. You know, that is a relationship that is getting bipartisan support to give a message to China that, you know, we may have our issues as a country. Thank you very much. Right. We're a democracy. It's always a little ugly. Right. But do not mess with us. That's the message. Do not mess with us. Uh, We have our act together when it comes to defending the free world. Mm -hmm. Sort of like almost we haven't seen since the peak of the Cold War. Right. Ukraine and all the rest of it. So defense is supported. Yes, we have budget issues. Yes, we have a debt ceiling. But. I don't think there are very many American leaders today that are saying, yeah, let's cut the fence. Okay. so you've got this Goldilocks that A&D is as attractive a place to invest as it's been a long time. And we just finished a survey. I don't want to spill the beans because we haven't published it yet, but we just finished a survey and we asked private equity. We went to about 500 people in private equity market and asked them one, two questions. But the one question that mattered was, is A&D an attractive place to invest right now? Not one survey respondent said no. Not yeah. one. The rhetoric is as bad as I've ever seen it. When
0: you talk about the defense market, you know, come on. I yeah, you know, I, I was in flight school in the mid 80s when you know the Russians were, were the Russians were coming. And every day we got our intelligence briefing. And now I see today, you know, it's in China, Ukraine, y- 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 the rhetoric, North Korea. Yeah, you know, it's enough to add, you know, 10 points to Lockheed Martin stock. Um, you know, the you know, best places in the world right now is you know, Lockheed Martin, General Dynamics, Raytheon Technologies, all their suppliers out there. You know, the rhetoric is the rhetoric is uh, is uh, it's huge and it's, and it's not going to slow down. It's not slowing down anytime soon.
1: No. And I would add to it. And, and you know, I, I've been talking with colleagues for a while about the DIB, Defense Industrial Base. Yeah. And because so much manufacturing went offshore. Right. Okay, the dib not only was was not healthy because of a reduction in defense spending cold war ended guns to butter all that stuff which mm-hmm. you know made sense we didn't really think we'd be in a in a in a conventional war around the world today but we are and so the issue is not only is the dib being asked to produce more we can't yeah. build weapon systems with chips coming out of china anymore right Right. We can't. We, we, we can't do it. It's, it's, it's a, that's a little hard to, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's a little harder. And I, I'm exaggerating a little bit, right? But, but still, Taiwan's our ally, right? right? But we still don't want chips in defense weapons coming out of Taiwan because, God forbid, it gets taken over by China, okay? So we need domestic, truly domestic, right? protected by the two oceans and our two wonderful allies, North and South. We need to make everything on this continent, okay? Yep. In this country. And so not only is the DIB being said, oh, yeah, defense fund spending is up 8%. That's good for business. Mm-hmm. It's bigger than that. Defense spending is going to go up. And we need to make sure every single thing we need, we have supply here in the United States.
0: There was a great article in Bloomberg. We'll just talk about China a little bit. There's a great article in Bloomberg. And you know VW is realizing that it, it was a sucker's bet. In china they got snuckered in they had to partner up with the chinese company the chinese company's taking all their ip and now they're going to kick them out and it was a blue and i was sort of laughing at the article i'm like and, and vw is just figuring this out now i mean you know they're just come on you, 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 everybody you, you sort of saw what was happening you know, five years ago
1: with the chinese I, market i remember when um without getting too far into the weeds but i remember years ago a business that manufactured some nuclear products and went on nuclear weapons mm-hmm. was sold to a unit of BAE Systems. Um, and they had to go through a whole bunch of things with proxy boards and all the rest mm-hmm. to be able to own that company. And still to this day, uh, only US citizens can really know what that subsidiary is doing. And the British have to just accept that those Americans know what they're doing and will do a good job for the British parent company. You look at relationships like that. I mean, you don't do that with anyone but your single closest allies on the planet, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we're giving nuclear submarines to the Australians, right? Right. Um, You don't give nuclear submarines to just good old anybody, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right? Um, You know, and not just a NATO ally, but I mean, we're talking like allies that to the end of this world would literally defend each other, right? And the Brits are those, and the Australians are those. But there are not many on this world that we should treat like that. And my comment is, of course, right? Of course, China, we hope things work out. We'd love them to be a fair player in the global market. Mm -hmm. But we cannot rely on them uh, to do anything in our interests long term. And militarily, we just have to be able to stand on our own two feet with our trusted allies like the Brits and the Australians.
0: Yeah, but coming, you know, interesting. but coming back to the inflation question, you know, yep. and the inflation thing. And, and here's the here's the you know, the struggle I have with the whole thing is the Fed is driving the cost of capital way up. Yeah. But in the meantime, yeah, you know, we're we're trying to resure a bunch of stuff. You think about $20 billion Intel is, I think is putting 20 or some billion dollars back into Arizona Fab yep. manufacturing. Taiwan semi, semiconductor is coming over. Yep. You know, we're already in a tight labor market. You know, I look at it and I say, is this is this a realistic play? Mm-hmm. Is raising interest rates to try to put the brakes on really going to be able to stop the flood that is about ready to, about ready to occur? Or yeah. on the flip side, are people going to get comfortable with, hey, look, we're just going to have to go more automation and, you know. Skilled, you know, skilled labor is going to get very expensive and unskilled labor is going to stay cheap. I mean, there's going to be this huge dichotomy, and I don't know. That's a, it's probably a little bit outside of A and D, but I, I see it already happening in, in a lot of A and D, you know, right now with the stuff that I'm yeah, you know, the stuff that I'm working on. Yeah. 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 Skilled engine traders you can't know, find them. Are going can't up in price. You go find somebody that understands how to run a turbid engine repair shop.
1: Um, yeah, Good there's
0: luck. maybe thirty of them in the country right now, um, right. and they're all employed.
1: Yeah, it, uh, so you're you're way over my pay grade here, Craig. Inflation is insidious, right? Once it gets into people's minds that prices are going to go up next quarter, they then go up next quarter, whether we want them to or not, right? So, uh, I'm not smart enough to know the trade-off between trying to keep the engine running, trying to uh, make sure we have an available workforce, and and get fabs up and running fast. Mm-hmm. versus, you know, we get 8% inflation expected in everybody's brains. It's really hard to get that out. Right. Yep. I mean, I have a little business. My wife has her own little business. I mean, we were just talking yesterday about her raising pricing again. Right. Yep. Um, and the impact it's going to have on her business. And, you know, that's a really scary one when everybody says I got to raise prices every 30, yeah, 90 days. You know, even when the Fed shows, oh, right, you know inflation's under control, well, people keep raising pricing. No, it's not under control. And that's psychological, right? Yeah, so anyways, whatever my pay grade, I don't know the answer. I just know how it impacts our clientele. yep, and that seventy year old man or woman that wants to retire and sell their business, if they're an a and d, it's it's a it's a fine time to sell your business. Now, I have friends who are bankers in other industries. And it's not as happy a story because mm-hmm. supply and demand not where we are in A&D. And the credit markets are hurting them. The credit markets are having a very small impact on MA and a and d at the moment. Could change any day. If you'd asked me that in November, I would have said mm-hmm. they're hurting. If you'd asked me that in February, in late March after, after SVB, I would have said, well, I'm really scared. Yep. I'm not worried at the moment. I'm not worried.
0: I love it. So you're not seeing any price. I mean, yeah, look, there's always people out there trying to see what they can get and they're going to use the, they're going to use the news. Of course. Any way they can to get a better deal. I'd be the same way. I'd be the same way. But yeah, but at the end of the day, it's, you know, multiples have not
1: collapsed. They're not even decreasing. Uh, Have have they gone down a tiny little bit? Maybe they've gone down a tiny little bit, but not meaningfully enough, and you know, you just draw a little curve, right? Yeah. Your revenues and EBITDA are are growing very nicely because right. you're either in the DIB and the defense budget's rising, yeah. or you're in commercial aviation, and these guys can't even meet production rates. Yeah. So your earnings are going up so fast that a small diminution in multiple, you still get more value for your company. I love it. How do people get a hold of you, Bill? uh website is where everything is at it's uh, aldermanco.com www.aldermanco.com you'll find all of our contact details on that page and i'll give for your special listeners my cell phone number which i never ever give out craig picking uh 914-414-4070 you're you're special i don't do that for my, i,
0: I have so i'm going to see you at mro in a few
1: weeks we're doing dinner Sir. Yes, sir. Oh,
0: that one's on me. I owe you a very expensive dinner. So uh, that one's on we'll,
1: me. We'll go. We'll, we'll split it. We'll
0: no, split no, no, no. I'll buy, I'll buy that one. So it's all good.
1: Thanks all for right. coming on. Always, Craig. Great to see you soon.
0: I hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Aerospace Executive Podcast. You can reach out to me directly, Craig, at NorthStarESG.com, or check us out at www.NorthStarESG.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, or on YouTube. Just do a search for Aerospace Executive Podcast. Thanks again. I'm Craig Pickles.